KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Art Power is presenting Indian fusion band Red Bharat, mixing Indian bhangra rhythms, hip-hop, and funk music, March 23rd at the Epstein Family Amphitheater. Tickets and information about upcoming concerts and events at artpower.ucsd.edu. San Diego is one of the largest scientific research hubs in the country. So who are the intrepid scientists in search of discovery, pushing the frontiers of human knowledge? This is Rad Scientist, where the scientist becomes the subject. I'm your host, Margot Wall. Today's Rad Scientist is Cami Collins. She's a physicist focused on one big question. Can we develop a new energy source for future generations? In the long run, we're not going to have fossil fuels in 100, 150 years. They're going to be, they're going to be running out, and, and we have to come up with something. That something is in the works at General Atomics in San Diego, where Cammy's been a scientist for the past three years. General Atomics is a defense contractor for the U.S. government that makes all sorts of high-tech things like drones, lasers, magnetic levitation devices, but Cami works on one of their most ambitious projects, figuring out how to use nuclear fusion to make electricity. We have this dream of using fusion for an energy source one day. This is the same process that happens in the sun, and this produces a lot of energy, and so we want to make that happen on Earth. You're probably thinking, don't we already have nuclear power plants? We do, but these plants use nuclear fission, which is different from nuclear fusion in a lot of ways. Nuclear fission is this process where you split atoms and you produce a lot of nuclear waste, high-level nuclear waste. Fusion is not like that. Fusion is the process where basically like two hydrogen atoms come together and they fuse and they produce helium. Okay, so nuclear fission, the process we use now, splits atoms apart. Fusion, what Cami studies, fuses atoms together. Hydrogen atoms, actually. And that means the fuel for this energy is all around us in one of the world's most abundant resources, H2O. And there's one more big difference. Fusion produces a fraction of the nuclear waste compared to fission. Plus, there's no risk of a reactor meltdown like Fukushima or Chernobyl. And unlike a lot of the energy sources we use today, Fusion does not produce any greenhouse gases. Uh, fusion produces helium, so we love helium, that's fine. Yeah, I love helium! <coughs> but there's more to love. You know how I said the fuel for this energy can come from water? Well, you wouldn't need a lot of water to get some major power. With just one gallon... You would have enough power to power your home for an, your entire lifetime. If you can produce ungodly amounts of electricity and it's cheap, then you can do anything with that. Free electricity for all. That would be rad. Now you might think it's less crazy that at 10 years old, Cami decided that she would be a nuclear physicist. I remember it very specifically. We were reading our science books, uh, and I was reading ahead because we were in this section about alternative energy, and they talked about nuclear fission, and then they talked about fusion, about how you can join atoms and, and it doesn't produce nuclear waste. And I was like, wow, that's a really bright, great idea. I couldn't imagine doing anything else. Maybe if I opened up like a dog resort, 
with puppies and stuff, but other than that, nothing else is appealing. <laughs> Cammie grew up in Glasgow, Montana, population 3,500. I think being brought up in that environment, like I learned how to weld. I built a hovercraft with my dad. It's a big chunk of wood with a lawnmower engine and some styrofoam underneath. It, it worked, the thing lifted. So I step on this thing and it was really unstable. It's wobbling back and forth. And then all of a sudden the styrofoam caught on the cement, went into the the car fan on the on the lawnmower and it just like snow everywhere there was just the whole thing just got destroyed <laughs> so that was like oh i guess this is not going to be my vehicle for driving to high school <laughs> yeah back to the future left a lot of us with unfulfilled hoverboard dreams but most of us never tried to build one the tinkering skills she learned in the process came in handy so these building skills, when I got to grad school, were invaluable. I walked into this room, and it was completely empty, and I got to build an entire experiment from scratch. An experiment about plasma, the stuff of stars, the stuff that's needed for nuclear fusion. Plasma is actually, it's the fourth state of matter. Um, there's solid, liquid, gas, and if you heat a gas, then you make a plasma. So plasma is, is made up of charged particles, like electrons and, and positively charged ions. So they're all just bouncing around. And every once in a while, two positively charged ions come together and join. In the process, they release a boatload of energy. That's nuclear fusion. And it needs the right conditions to happen because normally, two positive charges repel. They don't want to go together. So you have to have these particles hot enough so that they're moving fast enough in order to join together. Then you also have to have enough ions coming together and fusing to actually make an efficient fusion reactor. And then the last thing is that you need to be able to confine the ions long enough in order to make collisions. Okay, so hot enough, dense enough, confined for a long time. So just put it in the New York subway? No, but really, why not just trap it in a container? It's tricky because you have to make sure that this really, really hot plasma, which is actually like 10 times hotter than the surface of the sun, it has to be contained in a way that it doesn't touch the walls and melt your container. 10 times hotter than the sun? Yeah, we don't really have materials that can stand up to 180 million degrees Fahrenheit. The cool thing is that when you have charged particles, they will follow magnetic field lines. So we can use magnetic field lines to steer where the plasma goes. Actually, that's one of the things that I study is how to confine the most energetic particles. So you're like the police officer for those hot ions? Yeah, they gotta stay in there, don't come out. <laughs> Cammie and her colleagues contain these hot particles inside a device shaped like a toroid, which basically just looks like a donut. It's called a tokamak. I really want to see the real thing, so Cammie takes me to what she calls the pit, where it lives. The pit, we should go. It's an opportunity of a lifetime. You're going to get to see the entire tokamak. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. The first thing that we have to do um, is get some helmets. Helmets? 
check. So we're gonna go in, it's gonna be a little bit loud. So we're gonna first enter through these really big doors. Um, and so when we're actually firing a plasma, these big doors are shut. We're just seeing the top half of the donut. There's an entire floor below us. So that little opening down there is usually where we enter the vessel um, during our calibration stuff. So it's, it's a man-sized hole so you can slide right in. Although I don't think I could slide in because I'm pregnant. <laughs> Did you catch that? She said she's pregnant. So it might be hard for her to fit into the tokamak for a bit. There are certain fueling systems. So this is a, called a pellet injector. It injects little tiny frozen pellets of fuel into the plasmas by basically shooting it in with a gun. So lots of pipes, lots of tubes. Seriously, it looks like an improvised Lego project that was made by 20 different builders. I think the map is really, uh, much of it is in people's heads. <laughs> Not one person knows everything, I can tell you that. <laughs> it's definitely a team effort at this facility. Just down the hall, most of the crew sits at rows of desks facing giant screens, sort of like those pictures you see of NASA headquarters. So, so this is the control room, um, and we have many different scientists from many, many different institutions. I think there are probably about 100 scientists and engineers that work here. One of those people is a chief operator. He presses the buttons to fire up the tokamak and make the plasma. All right, we're ready. Please clear the annex. We're starting the sequence for the next test shot. Ready to fire shot number six, five, one. In three seconds, two, one. Now, shot in progress. Shot complete. That's it. Yep, it, it's just a short amount of time, but you still get an incredible amount of data. <laughs> People have been analyzing like a single shot for years. The shot is a way to test new conditions to figure out which makes the ideal reaction. Each scientist gets a chance to be the session leader. When you're a session leader, you get to use the tokamak to conduct your experiments. And one more thing. Your job, most important job, is to bring donuts in the morning for everybody to consume and get energized with, I guess so. Donuts because of the toroid shape? Yeah, of course. <laughs> that's like a fuel that burns out very quickly. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And the energy in the donut is far more energy than we produce in our fusion plasmas, unfortunately. Wait, really? More energy in a donut than the plasma? So far, we have, we have not demonstrated that you can get more power out of the fusion plasma than you put in. I mean, they do have to heat the plasma to insane temperatures, and that takes a lot of energy. And right now, they haven't made the fusion reaction efficient enough to have a net gain of energy. And that's why Cammie and her colleagues need to keep doing research. So we're, we are in the very early stages of just still trying to develop and show that it's feasible. People have actually been trying to make nuclear fusion a reality for the past 50 years. So... Why don't we have free electricity for all yet? Yes, I know, but um, it's, it's because it's hard. This is harder than putting man on the moon. And it's also underfunded because it, it's a long time scale. So when you tell a politician, hey, we're working on something so that we'll get a reactor going in, in 40 years from now, <laughs> they're not interested in funding that because it's not in their career. It's not, it's not within their time span. 
It seems amazing to me that a scientist might work on a problem their entire lives without solving it. But if fusion isn't a feasible source of energy in Cammy's lifetime, then maybe it will be for the next generation. Firstborn coming up October this year. Yep. All I can think about is the upcoming life events. We're moving into a new house and having a baby within like two weeks. It's like everything has to happen at once. I think Einstein said time is is what keeps everything from happening at once, and time is not on my side right now. <laughs> I guess you could say the same about nuclear fusion research. That's it for this episode of Rad Scientist. But before we go, it's time for the moment of Xenopus, where we delve into a hobby of camis that, surprise, involves plasma. An introduction to Whistler Waves. This is kind of wild. So Whistler Waves are very low frequency, like radio waves that propagate in the Earth's magnetosphere. They're triggered by lightning, and you can actually hear them in the middle of the desert if you have the right electronics. Because of the way that they travel, they sound like downward chirping, so it's like and they're really cool. But don't just take her word for it. If you want to listen to Whistler waves like Cami, you can build your own receiving device. Just look up NASA Inspire Project. This podcast is supported by the KPBS Explore Project, bringing local content to the radio. This episode was produced by me, Margot Wall. Grant Fisher is our audio mix master and theme song composer. Shayla Farzan is script editor. Logo by Kyle Fisher. At KPBS, Emily Jankowski is technical director. Melanie Drogseth is program coordinator. Jill Linder is programming manager. Nate John is innovation specialist. And John Decker is director of programming. Additional music was by Johnny Ripper, Poddington Bear, Roll Music, and Level Clearer. Subscribe to the podcast if you can and leave a review. Until next episode, stay rad.